1: The Senate voted 52 to 47, with three Republicans joining the Democrats and Independents in favor of a resolution to preserve net neutrality and eliminate the FCC's vote to gut Obama-era rules. Democratic Minority Leader Chuck Schumer spoke about the importance of net
0: neutrality. People who use the Internet all the time realize what this is all about. And that's why there's been such overwhelming response. Millions of calls generated by us. We don't get that on many issues, so that clearly shows people care. Six million calls came to the uh, emails, came to the uh, FCC.
1: Joining me is Matthew Shettenhelm, media and telecom litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Matt, why the vote for net neutrality now?
0: Well, uh, so so this is tied to the FCC's decision in December of this year. And uh, it's taken a, a while for uh, that to be processed. But now we're set for the, the decision to take effect on, on June 11th. And uh, in association with that, it also triggers a special timeline that Democrats in the Senate used to get around the problem that you normally need 60 votes to get something done in the Senate. They use this special Special process called the the Con- Con- Congressional Review Act uh, to to allow them to to vote to undo that December vote by the FCC by only fifty votes, and that's what we saw yesterday.
1: Does this stand a chance of passing in the House?
0: It's going to be very difficult. Uh, So there are are, – this is a very uh, partisan issue despite the fact that that Democrats were able to pick up three Republican votes in the Senate yesterday. And uh, it would take 218 uh, members in the House to vote for it. There are 193 Democrats in the House. So that means you have to pick up 25 Republicans uh, in order for this to go forward. Not impossible. Uh, this is a, a uh, you know a popular issue uh, with 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 many, and you know it puts pressure on Republicans for sure. But I think it's an uphill battle uh, for Democrats even to get a vote on this measure. Uh, Paul Ryan, as the Speaker of the House, has discretion not to bring the thing for a vote at all, and that's probably the most likely scenario that that it stops there.
1: In a speech before the vote, Schumer said, "See who votes for net neutrality and who votes against it." Are the democrats teeing this up as a campaign issue?
0: I think that's exactly what they're doing and they, this is really what, what I sort of view as sort of playing the long game here <laughs> on net neutrality. I think, I think most of them would likely tell you that that this, this particular measure is a long shot but uh, it, by playing this card, uh, it becomes an issue in uh, elections coming forward. And it sets you up for uh, down the road, you know, in 2020, let, maybe the Senate looks a little bit different. Maybe the president uh, presidency looks different. The FCC looks different. This is all part of that long game strategy, and politics are a big part of that.
1: Let's turn now to another battle, this time in the courtroom and the boardroom. Sumner Redstone's family has fended off a challenge to their control of CBS by CEO Leslie Moonves, and you correctly predicted the outcome of this preliminary court fight a few days ago. Tell us what happened in the battle for control.
0: Sure. So, so what CBS decided this weekend, in sort of a dramatic, dramatic form, was that it, two things: one, that it didn't no longer thought that this idea of a merger with Viacom was a good idea. And two, it was going to move forward to dilute the, the voting interest of its controlling shareholder, Sherry Redstone, who, who, who runs National Amusements. And, and what today was about, CBS at the same time ran into court and said, judge, here's our plan. We're going to do this. Don't let Sherry Redstone in the meantime do anything to get in the way of it. Enter a temporary restraining order to prevent her from, from interfering with this plan we have going forward. What the court said today is, no, I'm not going to do that. She's the controlling shareholder. She has the right to act first if she wants to to protect her interest. You can litigate about it later if you'd like to.
1: Does this and some of the other actions uh, that Viacom has uh, initiated mean that Moonves has gambled and lost, or is it too soon to tell?
0: I think it, I think this is early in in the game. Uh, I, I think this is this is really uh, the first stage in in this legal battle. It's really more about posturing, positioning the parties about who can move first before the judge really digs in on. Can CBS dilute its controlling shareholders' interest? That's still to be litigated, I think, down the road. So this was really – this is a, a loss for CBS to be sure because because now Sherry Redstone and National Amusement has the power to take any action they need to to protect themselves. Uh, but it's not the end by any means. I think we're going to see an extended legal battle on this and, and uh, it, most of it hasn't been briefed at all yet. <laughs>
1: Uh, Matt, didn't the Redstones force CBS directors to change the company's bylaws and require that ninety percent of the board approve any dilution proposal?
0: Yes. So so That's that was tough road to oh. Exactly. And and that was sort of some drama. I was at the hearing yesterday in, in Wilmington and just a couple of hours before. Uh, the hearing was ready to ready to to happen. We we received word that 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 Redstone had made this change in the bylaws, and and so it kind of shaped the whole thing. It kind of shows how fast moving this whole process can be, and and th- and that's the power that Cherry Redstone won today: the ability to make those sorts of changes on the fly that protect her interest. the The court today said, you know, that's okay. She, you know, the controlling shareholder can make those decisions. Maybe we fight about them later, but for now, she gets to make them, and and so. And now CBS has a board meeting set for 5 p.m. today designed to dilute uh, their interest as a controlling shareholder. But because of that bylaw, it's not clear that they're going to be able to, to actually win that vote. I think all of that, again, is going to lead to more legal fights.
1: Fascinating. About 30 seconds here, Matt. Does this increase the likelihood that CBS will have to merge with Viacom?
0: I, I don't. I think it's too early to say anything like that. So certainly Sherry Redstone has been a big advocate for the Viacom deal. Certainly this gives her more control and more power. If she wants to change the makeup of the board, she can. But it's too early to say she, she's in a position to do that.
1: We will keep changing every minute. Thanks so much, Matt. That's Matthew Shettenhelm, media and telecom litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Today marks one year since special counsel Robert Mueller was appointed to investigate Russian meddling in the 2016 election. The president marked the anniversary with a sarcastic tweet calling it the greatest witch hunt in American history. The chairman, Republican Senator Chuck Grassley, spoke about the far-reaching implications of the Russia investigation.
2: These are issues with implications beyond Mueller's investigation or even the Trump administration. They would affect every future administration, both Democratic and Republican.
1: That's Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the Senate uh, Judicial Committee, and that's the committee that released more than 20, 2,500 pages of transcripts and other documents from the investigation. Joining me is William Banks, professor at Syracuse University Law School. Bill, there were a lot of revelations yesterday. Let's start with the transcripts of the now infamous meeting in June 2016 at Trump Tower, where Donald Trump Jr. and other top officials from the Trump campaign met with a Russian lawyer. Did the transcripts disclose anything new to you?
2: Not very much, June. They they confirm more or less what we know. Of course, it's important that they were released by the Senate Intelligence Committee, which, unlike the House Intelligence Committee, uh, endorsed a set of conclusions that were harmonious with the intelligence community's investigation, which revealed, yes, the Russians did attempt to influence the election, and they attempted to do so in favor of the candidate, Donald Trump. They hoped that he would win. That's a very important thing. The June 2016 meeting, you know, we 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 know that not much came of it. That the information that uh, that was suggested that might be available dirt on Hillary Clinton uh, didn't amount to much, said uh, Don Jr. But we also know that unlike uh, the interviews with uh, with him and several other participants in the meeting, they don't have transcript uh, of interviews with Paul Manafort. Uh, which could have been very uh, enlightening had it, they had his comments on the record, um, uh, and the, and a lot of missed uh, telephone numbers, telephone numbers that were uh, private numbers that Don Trump Jr. could not identify. Yeah,
1: Donald Trump Jr. released a statement saying his answers were candid to all the questions and. That, of course, does not include the questions he evaded and those that he didn't recall, including a blocked number he called from his iPhone after his initial conversation with a Russian oligarch's son, and there are suspicions that was a blocked number of his father's. So we don't know a lot about additional things, for example, the blocked number. But Mueller knows about those things. I'm sure he's gotten the phone records for that blocked number. So could there be more to this than, we were, than we're seeing
2: there certainly could. So, you know, this is one year now of the Mueller investigation. There's been several uh, pieces uh, reporting the, the year and as uh, when is this ever going to end. I think it's, you and I have talked before, I think the, the Mueller team is moving along as prosecutorial investigations do. They're moving along with all deliberate speed. They're being very careful. They're not leaving any stone unturned. And I think having, what, uh, 19... In indictments and and three companies uh, charged as well and five guilty pleas in a year is a is a pretty impressive set of accomplishments. so I think on the details of the russia uh, impact, I think there's more to learn. Uh, and on the details of potential collusion or cooperation with the Trump campaign, there's also more to learn.
1: so one thing that struck me is that, Donald Trump Jr. has said that his father didn't know. He didn't tell him anything about this meeting with the Russians. But his father, he admitted, may have helped draft the statement that he put out to the press after the meeting became public about that meeting. So it seems you know, counterintuitive to think that Trump is writing a statement about a meeting that he knows nothing about.
2: It is counterintuitive, and it looks like uh, maybe Donald Trump didn't uh, say that his father did not know, but he he may have simply said that he didn't tell him about it or didn't ask him about it. That doesn't mean even if Don Jr. was being truthful, it doesn't mean that the president or the candidate wasn't aware of the meeting from some other source
1: there was There was so much information yesterday, uh, a whistleblower who reportedly leaked the financial records of President Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, told The New Yorker that he did so after discovering that two files had disappeared from a government database. What's your reaction to that?
2: <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs>
1: Another uh, bizarre
2: uh, thing. Another bizarre thing that, you know, certainly this lawyer is, uh, is doing some grandstanding himself on behalf of his client, and he's uh, you know, pretty ostentatious. It's hard to know whether there's anything uh, to that story. Uh, so far, he's done pretty well at being able to back up his claims. Uh, the Cohen situation is looking pretty uh, dire for Mr. Cohen, and we'll yet to yet to learn whether it's also going to implicate uh, President
1: Trump. What is the impact of the the separate bipartisan statement from the Senate Committee of, about the fact that they back up that the the uh, Russians did interfere in the election or try to interfere in the election? Does that have any weight?
2: It does. I think it's important. Uh, it's a it's a counterweight, a heavy counterweight to the to the very partisan House Intelligence Committee uh, investigation and Chairman Nunes. Uh, several Republicans on this committee, including the chairman, uh, came out strongly in support of an independent investigation that the Intelligence Committee has been undertaking since the middle of 2016, even before uh, candidate. Trump was sworn in
1: as president. Bill, Trump we will have to leave it there the because we could go on for hours and hours about this. That's William Banks, professor at Syracuse University Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com/podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.